Well, if you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8, we finally have made it to chapter 8 in our study here through the book of Revelation. Uh, as I mentioned before, we've been slowly, more slower going through it than I did last time. Um, I'm taking it more in pieces, and I, I like that. I've been finding new things or, or things I haven't seen going deeper now, and I'm just excited even today to get into the Word. And well, with uh, Zach already praying for our Word this morning, let's get right into our study. I remember uh, when one of our boys, they were pretty young, I think they were about four years old, and he had dumped onto the floor this, um, this, uh, all these pieces from this thing called Connect. I think it was Connect or something like that. I don't know if you guys remember something like that, but they're little plastic pieces, sticks and round things that you can put all together and you could play with, you could build something with it, kind of like a Lego thing, but different. You know, there are sticks and everything. There are different colors of the pieces, different lengths of the sticks. Uh, there's a plastic circle pieces. And, and so you could connect all these things together. And, and I'd have fun with the kids, too. We'd build, like, cars or planes or, you know, spaceships and everything like this. But this one child of mine, after dumping all the building pieces on the floor, I mean, we just had a whole box full of them, right? He just dumped it out. And it was all on the floor. Well, before now, in preparation, putting anything together, this one child of mine organized each piece into color, size, and length, and shape. And, you know, he, I think, like I said, they're like around four. He was around four or so. And I, 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 he, he said, Daddy, look. And I l- turned around and saw on the floor everything just organized in their groups and everything all prepared and ready for him to build. And I thought, wow, that's preparation. And for a little, you know, four-year-old to think about that, I thought, oh, that's great. I, what, what's, what your mind is like is starting to come out. And certainly as he grew older, you saw the organization, the uh, uh, neatness, and even the preparation there. And we know, we know that, right? We know proper pres- preparation is the key to a successful operation. Abraham Lincoln once said, Give me six hours to chop down a tree. I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. So it's important, our preparation, that we make before we go on and do something or do some project. Well, today, as we return to our study here in the book of Revelation, we see how all of heaven actually The angels, God prepares now them for the time that is coming. So we see heaven comes to a time of preparation for God's final judgments to be poured out onto the world. So the title of our message this morning is The Preparation in Heaven. The Preparation in Heaven. We're coming back to Revelation. We're coming here in chapter 8 now, finishing chapter 7. And we're going to be looking at the first six verses of chapter 8, verses 1 through 6 this morning. Uh, We're going to see three things in our passage, and this is our outline. Number one, the solemn silence. Number two, the seven angels. And number three, the saints' prayers. 
So that's our outline. This is what we're going to cover. Revelation chapter 8, 1 through 6, the preparation in heaven. Let's begin with number one now in our outline, the solemn silence, the solemn silence. Now, in this section and, and for this, uh, we're going to only be looking at verse one, this one in this time, verse one. So take a look with me here. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. So we begin here in chapter 8, and, and we begin with John the Apostle who's writing this. He, he says here, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal. Now the Lamb, we understand, we've been seeing that term for Jesus Christ, right? Uh, John's been calling Jesus the Lamb because Christ sacrificed himself like a, a, a lamb and died on the cross for our sins. And as I mentioned last week, it's always a good reminder of us that, that Jesus is still in this time of the tribulation and judgments and all. He is still our Savior. Yeah, he still have come to save people's souls, as we saw last week. That there was the greatest revival ever that we, you know, ever going to happen in the history of the earth. We saw that at the end of chapter seven. So here's the lamb. Now, when the lamb he opens the seventh seal, what's going on? Now, remember, this document that Jesus is holding is basically the title deed to the earth. We learned back in chapter 7 that the, the document in breaking the seals is like a rolled up document. And every time you unrolled it, there's a seal that was sealing and keeping you from unrolling it more. Well, there are seven of those. And each time he unrolled this document, we saw events, different events of God's judgment being poured out upon the earth. And it's during the seven years of tribulation. And in this document, breaking of the seals is really the process of Jesus taking back the authority of, of over the earth that was lost to Satan when man sinned. So we learned that back in chapter 5. And, and then we saw successively through each of the seals in chapter 6. And then we saw in chapter 7, after the sixth seal now, Right. Um, well, chapter six was the sixth seal, and that was a, a calamity upon the whole earth and catastrophic events. Well, after the sixth seal, in chapter seven, there was a pause, and that pause was to uh, seal, to raise up, send out the hundred forty-four thousand Jews who were to go and witness to Israel, and which resulted in being a witness to the whole earth. And those guys I call the sealed servants. They were marked and protected from the judgments and the persecution of the Antichrist being able to kill them. So then at the end of chapter 7, we saw the saved saints, as I mentioned, all heaven together with the tribulation saints, those who are saved during the tribulation, worshiping the Lord. So now we come to chapter 8. Now here in chapter 8, we come to the time of the opening of the last seal of this document. There are seven seals. We went through one, 1 through 6, little pause in chapter 7. Now chapter 8, it comes for the last one to open the last seal, and it's opened. Now notice, something different happens. Chapter 6, when the first seal is opened, what, the, the, the rider of the white horse came out, right? And we talked about that being the Antichrist. When the second seal was opened up, the, remember the, which horse? Red. Red horse came out. 
uh, war and all, right? And then the third horse was, we see in chapter 6, it, it was the black horse, right? Famine, worldwide famine. And then the, the last, uh, or no, the pale horse was the death and the fourth horse, right? The fifth seal was the scene in heaven with the martyrs who were really being persecuted and, and God's justice about to be poured out and judgment in that way. And the sixth seal, as I mentioned, was the natural, uh, well, God bringing upon the world a natural catastrophe all over earthquakes and, and volcanoes. So you notice in the first six seals, after the seal is open, right then this event transpired. Uh, concerning the uh, uh, you know, one of the events of the judgment of God. Well, here, there's something different. John says, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, what happened? There wasn't an event that happened all, all of a sudden. It says here in verse 1, there was silence in heaven. Silence. When he opened, things just go quiet. All motion stops. Nothing is said. No action is taken. It's, it just goes silent here. It's just silent in heaven. And notice here at the end of verse 1, John writes that the silence was for about half an hour. When I first read that, I thought, well, wait, wait a minute. I mean, how does that work? I mean, heaven exists in, in, in the eternal realm, right? There is no clocks in heaven, right? There is no time going on. So what is this? Well, John must be writing from his perspective, from an earthly side, looking into the eternal dim dimension and timed it on his end to be half an hour, 30 minutes. But whether it's in heaven or in earth, 30 minutes probably felt like an eternity. Probably felt like a very long, long, long time. There is silence, a solemn silence in heaven now. Why is that? All the other seals, this event came out. But why is it right now that there's this solemn silence in heaven? Well, let me give you two reasons, and this will be like our points here. Number one, all heaven holds their breath knowing the seventh seal is the final outpouring of God's judgment on the earth. That's why. All heaven knows that. The seventh seal is this final, really, outpouring of this judgment that's been coming out one by one. And now with the seventh one, it's, this is it. This is coming to the end here. See, out of the seventh seal comes out seven trumpet judgments. And we're going to go over those in detail in the rest of this chapter next week. But then we will see later, out of the seventh trumpet comes the seven bold judgments. So all these judgments are going to be coming out in succession. The seven trumpets are blown, and when the seventh one is blown, then the seven bold judgments, one by one, coming out. So all of that is the final outpouring of God's judgment on the world. And that's why I mentioned last week, too. That's why Jesus called the last three and a half years of this time in the tribulation, in Matthew 24, 21, the great tribulation. Because it's going to be the worst of all times. It's, it's all these judgments, the worst ones coming out. And the seventh seal now, what's broken open, contains all these events that are just going to start coming out one after another. All from this seventh trumpet. Or the seventh seal, sorry. <laughs> so 
This is why all heaven goes silent. It's like holding their breath for this last, last push of God's judgment coming out. You know what I was thinking about, you know, with 4th of July coming up, um, I think about aerials, you know, that are shot up into the sky. I don't know how many there will be. I think I was reading the permits are canceled or something this year, but uh, some people still find their way, you know. But think about the aerials now. How you see this ball of light shoot into the air, right? And then what happens from the ball of light? Then these other ones come out from that. Yeah? And sometimes from these other ones that fan out, right? Like, like a fountain coming out. Then from there, maybe there's little ones that come out of that. And it all falls down and rains down. Well, well that, that's the idea here. That that's what's going to happen with this seven seals. Like the seven seals shooting at one aerial out. And out of there is the, the, the seven trumpets. And from the seven trumpet, another more seven bowls are going to be coming out in judgment. So you see, with this coming of this final exploding of this, or opening up of this seal, will come in a rain of exploding judgment, so to speak. And so all heaven is at this point. This is it. This is this final judgment. It's going to all fan out, but... All heaven holds their breath. It's kind of like they're having this whoa moment. Like they're like, whoa. And it just takes their breath away. And they're just standing there in silence. So why is there such solemn silence in heaven here in verse 1? Number one, all heaven holds their breath knowing that the seventh seal is the final outpoint of God's judgment on the earth. Here's the second reason. Number two. All heaven stops in silence, knowing this is the time when evil, sin, and Satan's rule in the world will all come to an end. That's why. This is it. This is the moment. And that's why everything goes silent. This is it. Because at the end of all the judgments, what's going to happen? Christ is going to return and set his rule and reign on earth. Now before this, if you remember, there was much sound going on, right, in heaven. I mean, we saw just in the last chapter, at the end of last chapter, four cherubim, the 24 elders representing the church, thousands and thousands of angels around the throne, and millions and millions, right, of tribulation saints, the greatest revival going on in tribulation, and now they're martyred in heaven. They were all worshiping God loudly. You remember that last chapter. Before that, an angel with a loud voice called out to the uh, four angels to hold back that wind of judgment. Well, God marks and re- uh, sends out 144,000. Before that, we saw the, 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 in heaven the cries of the martyrs praying for vengeance on their deaths in chapter 6, right? Before that, as I mentioned, the four cherubim ordered the four horsemen, right? Like, and it says there in uh, Revelation 6, like a voice like thunder calling out for these four horses. Before that, in chapter 5, all heaven was in worship to Jesus in a loud voice, it says, saying, worthy is the Lamb who was saying. And even before that, we saw in chapter 4, in heaven there was flashes of lightning and peals of thunder coming out from the throne of God, while heaven worshipped God in a cherubim cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So there was a lot of sound in heaven. 
up to this point. There was a lot of noise going on in heaven, but now it's stopped. Why? Because now we come to this moment. This is the time for the saints to be vindicated, for justice to be given, for sin to be punished and Satan defeated. And right after all these judgments, Jesus returned in all glory, comes to the earth. His second coming sets his kingdom up on the earth. No wonder John MacArthur wrote this, the greatest event since the fall is about to take place and all heaven is seen waiting in suspenseful expectancy. That's that silence. It's here. That's mom- that moment everyone is waiting for, the judgment, the final judgment, and then Christ returning, the beginning of the end, so to speak. Imagine what that's going to be like, that silence there. Imagine that feeling of anticipation. Imagine that feeling, whoa, this is it. This is everything we've been waiting for. Imagine that if you're a believer, you and I will be there. We're going to be in the middle of all of that, experiencing that awesome moment. You know, I was thinking that our minds, our heart, our soul, we should be brought to silence too. Especially whenever we're, we're going to be facing something coming up. Maybe some trial. Maybe your quote-unquote kind of tribulation time coming. Some challenges maybe you're facing. I think it's important when trouble comes, it's good to stop and pray. To stop and be silent before God. That should be our preparation also as we see in heaven. It should be our preparation to just stop, be silent before God. And remember what it says in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When was the last time you were still and know that He is God? That He is greater than any of the issues you're facing? That He is a lot more powerful than any challenges coming your way. That He is God in sovereign control of no no matter how crazy things seem and the storm is. I think we need to do that more, don't you? To be still and know that I am God. To remember that. To not get so frantic. To not get into flesh over things, but to find peace and security in the fact God is still God. God is still on the throne. He's still there for you. Our God is greater. Be still before the Lord. So this is the preparation in heaven, the solemn silence. And number two, we go on to the seven Angels, the seven angels. Now here, we're going to look at just verse 2. Take a look. Verse 2. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. So after the silence here, John now writes, and he sees seven angels. Now, uh, circle the word the before seven angels. Because actually in the original language, in the Greek, it emphasizes that. It refers to these guys as 
the, the or the seven angels. These guys. Now, we, we don't know exactly who these seven are. We don't know. Uh, it, it's not really mentioned here, but this is telling us that these guys were a special group of angels. Perhaps they were specially chosen for this task to receive the trumpets. Perhaps I'm thinking maybe they're high-ranking angels. Yeah. We know that in the, in, the, in the angel team and angel army, there's ranks. And perhaps these guys are the high-ranking ones that will be tasked to bring about the, the, you know, this opening of the seal and the final judgments here. Notice also that these angels, they stand, who stand before God. So these are standing there right before the Lord, ready to do whatever God wants them to do. And I believe that they must have been there the whole time here that we've been getting these scenes in heaven. So here's a, the, the first thing I want you to see here is, number one, these seven angels have been prepared and ready to serve God at a moment's notice. So these, this is maybe special forces here. Maybe this is the, the royal guard, so to speak. But they're right there before the throne, before God, prepared and ready to serve God at a moment's notice. You know, Scripture tells us about different angels, like we already read about the cherubim, right? In Revelation, we've been seeing them since uh, chapter 4. Genesis 3.24, cherubim, they were guarding uh, the the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, After man sinned, so uh, human beings couldn't enter there. There's also seraphim in Isaiah 6-2 that Isaiah saw when he was given that vision of heaven and the Lord on the throne. And some even say that the seraphim is the same as cherubim. I might have taught that too. And there's archangels we know of. You know, like, like in Jude speaking about different scriptures. Actually, in Jewish literature, they name uh, seven archangels. I think it was one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, um, uh, uh, Uriel, Raphael, Raguel, Saragiel, Reniel, Gabriel, and, and of course we know Michael, the archangel. So it could, have, it could be, you could study this on your own, that perhaps these seven, these seven angels are high-ranking, maybe archangels, and, and perhaps they are the ones here. And maybe one of them is Gabriel. Like, remember Gabriel... Uh, he appeared to John the Baptist's father, saying, hey, you're going to have a baby, you're going to have a son in your old age. And, and he came saying, hey, I'm, a, I'm Gabriel. And he described himself as, I stand in the very presence of God. So just like here, he, it could be one of these, Gabriel's one of these, the seven angels who stand before God. Well, the seven angels, they are given seven trumpets to hold one for each of them to blow and call down specific judgments that are going to fall, and we're going to see that in the rest of this chapter next time. Understand now, trumpets in Scripture, they were, they were real important instruments, we find, that God used in the Bible. Trumpets in the Old Testament, they called the people of Israel together for worship. Trumpets sounded like the alarm. You know, for the army to go and attack, or they, the trumpets directed them in the battle, go this way, that way, or retreat. Uh, trumpets, 
they are not only directed in a battle, but they, they would also announce a new king. And trumpets are used in that way. Well, here, the trumpet is used to administer the judgment of God. And there's Old Testament prophet, prophetic scriptures about that, too. So the second thing I want you to see in this verse is these seven angels are given seven trumpets in preparation to administer the judgment. So these seven angels are given the seven trumpets in preparation. So here you go. Get ready. This is what you're going to blow on. And, and so in verse 6, you can take a peek. It says the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. Now, take note here. As we're getting into the trumpets, the, even the, the, the seven trumpets or even the seventh trumpet, seventh one, is not the last trumpet like we find in 1 Corinthians 15.52, which says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Now, we know that verse goes with 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and 17, speaking about the rapture of the church that I've talked to you many times about. So some say, well, the seventh trumpet in, in Revelation, the same as the last trumpet in 1 Corinthians 15. So a lot of people who believe the rapture happens in the middle of the tribulation will say, see, so that's when the, the rapture will actually happen. But, and, and of course you can study this on your own. You can come to your conclusions. But let me tell you why I believe it's, this isn't talking about that. Uh, because the seventh trumpet is not the same. We're, we're, we're going to see in Revelation 16 that when the seventh trumpet is blown, the bowls of judgment, seven bowls of judgment comes out, not the church. We don't see that. We, we also see that it is the angel who is given here in verse 2, the trumpet. And then we know in verse 6 that he is going to blow the trumpet. The seven angels and the seventh angel will blow the seventh trumpet. Well, in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it's called the trumpet of God. Matter of fact, the archangel just shouts. And then when the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15, the book of Revelation wasn't even written yet. It, it, and there was no real understanding or knowledge of seven trumpets in the tribulation and all of that. So most likely, the last trumpet in verse uh, 1 Corinthians 15 refers to when trumpets were sounded to move Israel on in their journey. And they would direct Israel as they move with the trumpet sound. And the last trumpet was ca to call the last tribe to get going and come with the others. This is Numbers 10.6. So they blow a trumpet and the first tribe would go and blow a trumpet the next next. And then the last trumpet was the, the last tribe to go uh, take up the rear and get going and following the others. So I tend to think this, and again, you can study this. The last trumpet in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two is the call of the church to get going, to come up, to be in heaven with the others who are already there, the dead in Christ who shall rise first. Okay, then we see here how the angels are now prepared for their work and be given the instruments to do their work to do God's will, basically. So you see that, right? Kind of basic there. Well, you know what? I was thinking about this, too, after I read this verse and studying it. Just as God prepares the angels, you know what? God prepares you and I. He gives us preparation, too. He gives you the tools. 
the instrument to do His will in your life. For you to, if He's called you to do something, He gives you that ability. He empowers you. I mean, think about Acts in, in Acts chapter 2 or chapter 1. And Jesus said that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you shall receive power to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the parts of the earth, of the world. And then what happened in Acts 2? The Holy Spirit came, baptized, and the early church came together, and the believers there, the apostles, disciples, right? They were empowered at that point to be able to spread the message of Jesus. Well, that's what God does in our life. He gives us the power, the ability to accomplish all he is giving you to do. So in preparation, right, we don't just go out. All right, Lord, I'm going to go do this. We just don't go run out. No, what do we do? We go to the Lord to receive that ability and power. We ask for that filling of the Spirit. We ask for His strength every day. God, help me to live this day for You. Help me to shine that light for You. God, I'm facing this challenge, but I know this trial is something you sovereignly brought. And so, I, I, Lord, I'm, I want to obey you and go through this, but I need your help right now. I need to be still know that you're God so I can have peace and, and be secure in you. But Lord, now give me the Holy Spirit to be able to, to go through, get through. I think just as the Lord prepares these angels by giving them the instrument of the trumpet, so God gives us the means, the ability, the gifts, the power, the strength. And know that today, yeah, what did Paul say in Philippians 4? I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. So you hold to that promise. And you bring that promise into your time of prayer before you go out into your day. And you ask God to, to, to be True to His promise, give me strength. And I'll tell you what, you know what you'll find? You'll find that strength if you do this first. When we don't do it first, what happens? That's when, it's, that's when we make these mistakes or fall here and there and we barely get by. But God wants us to prepare ourselves by going to Him to find strength, power, and ability. I like something Corey Ten Boom once said. When we are powerless to do a thing, it is a great joy that we can come and step inside the ability of Jesus. I love how she phrased that. Don't you like that? Inside the ability of Jesus. So be encouraged today. God is waiting. God wants to help you. God wants to be there for you. God wants to give you the means and the power. So we see the preparation in heaven, the solemn silence. Number two, the seven angels, they're prepared with the trumpets. And now we come to number three, our last heading, the saints' prayers. The saints' prayers. Now, this will be the rest of our verses here, uh, verses three through six. But first of all, take a look at verse three and four. Three and four. It says in verse three, And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of the of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. So we'll stop there. 
So before now, before the angels are given the command one by one to blow their trumpet, something happens here. They are to wait and wait on this. Another angel steps forward. Another angel comes and, and is standing at this altar, and I'll explain that in a moment. Now, some people say this other angel or another angel came is, is actually Jesus. And from what we read, it, it could be. It, it could be that, that is Jesus fulfilling that priestly role that we're seeing a picture of that was done in the Old Testament in the old Jewish temple. But the Greek word another actually means another of the same kind. So it could be Jesus, because in Old Testament, many times there was the, the, the uh, pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, and many times in the Old Testament they, they call Jesus the, uh, the angel, right? But in this instance, I, uh, again, you can study this, I tend to feel like that, no, this is another angel, another maybe high-ranking angel that comes, and, and he, he comes with all this, and he's, he's, he's sort of representing, but he's not representing. He's, he's just an agent of what is being uh, done here. So anyway, again, you can study that. I tend to believe, though, it is just another high-ranking angel. Now, this angel comes with a golden censer. And if you remember our studies in the Old Testament, it's like a, a bowl with a covering on it a gold bowl, and there's chains from it. Uh, The priests would carry the golden censer, and they carry it on a chain. Well, here's this angel with a golden censer, one of those bowish kind of, sometimes the top is kind of higher, and then a chain carrying that. And, And inside the golden censer contains hot coals from the bronze altar or the brazen altar. So that's what the priests would do. They go... The sacrifices are made outside the temple and right outside there. And then the coals from that sacrifice, or they, they were made pure or holy, they would put inside this golden censer, and then he would carry the coals into the, the temple itself. And so he's carrying this, this golden censer, and he comes to the altar. Now, I believe this altar's probably uh, like the altar of incense that's inside the temple. If you're to walk into the Jewish temple, you walk into what they call uh, the, the, the holy place. The holy place. And inside there you'll see like the candelabra, uh, you'll see giant candelabra, you'll see the table of showbread. And then right in front of you, right in front of the curtain that separated the most holy place, or the holiest holies where the ark was, was this like a, a square tall uh, altar of incense, and that's where they would burn the incense. So usually the priests would carry the coals and dump that, the coals, onto the altar of incense. So here's this angel uh, bringing in the, the gold, golden censer. He's at the altar, and then he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the throne. So to me, he comes in with the coals, dumps the coals on the altar of incense, and then he's given incense to throw on the coals. Now, when they take the, the priest would take the incense and throw it on the coals, the incense would hit the piping hot coals and immediately vaporize. Yeah. And it, 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 it burn and turn into smoke, and the smoke would rise up in the air. 
And in the Old Testament temple, that would symbolize the prayers of the people rising up to God. And so we're given that picture. Now what's interesting here, it says in verse 3, and he was given much incense to offer. So we understand that. That's the way the Old Testament priests used to do. And then it says, with the prayers of all the saints on that golden altar, the altar of incense before the throne. So at first I was like, wait, is this really talking about the same thing? Put incense on, it represents the prayers of people going up to God. But when I would read the word with, I thought, well, we have the incense. And on top of it, with more prayers, basically, are, are brought before the Lord. So what I see is that this, the, the, what it is is that the, the incense that's thrown on there are all the prayers that have been made up until this point for Jesus to return, for justice to be done. And then with the prayers, the prayers, there's additional prayers that are given, uh, that are given to the angel, which combines with the previous prayers with the current prayers that we've been reading about, perhaps prayers that have been made during the tribulation time. And so all of this, the smoke, it says in verse 4, of incense with the prayers, again, saints, rose before God from the hand of the angel. So, first of all, see this. The offerings of incense rise up to God is to say all the prayers have been heard and are about to be answered. So all the previous prayers throughout all the centuries... And the current prayers during this tribulation time are all coming together, rising up to God like the smoke of the incense. And God is hearing and he is about to answer them all. So that's what I see right now. The, the vaporized incense represent the prayers of, of, of God's people in the past and the, 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 with the prayers as the current prayers. And all of this is coming together. So I hope that makes sense. The incense is the saved up prayers of, of the past of people's God. And, and the prayers are the current prayers of God's people, say like those in the tribulation. And what are these prayers? Well, they're prayers in, in, in what we just talked about earlier. That Satan and his demons would be destroyed. right? That evil would be done with. That sin would be defeated once and for all. Yeah? No more. This stuff going on in the world and the consequences of sin that we all suffer and, and live through. Also, prayers for the death, for the avenging of the death of the martyrs that we saw in the fifth seal. And probably the biggest prayer is in this whole, all these prayers coming together, is for Jesus to return and take over the earth. Right? Maranatha, right? Isn't that what we hope for? Isn't that what we pray for? Oh, Jesus, come, take us home. Jesus, we want you to rule and reign. I mean, we look at, I look at, gosh, the news today, and you look at our, our government, you know, our parties, and uh, uh, the, it's just crazy. It's so corrupt and I mean, not everyone, of course, and we pray for our leaders, but sometimes it's so frustrating to think, oh, there's, there's so much corruption and people just going for money and power, right? 
And, th- and not just our own nation, but uh, local government can be that way. Uh, countries in the world. I mean, it, it's just crazy. So I can't wait for Jesus to come, return the second time, and then come and set up rule and reign on the earth, and we're going to have a perfect government. Yeah? I can't wait for that. Can't wait for Jesus to come. We know in the millennium He's going to renew our planet. Yeah? And, 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 you know, we talk about climate change and how man is ruining this planet. Yeah, he is. But I talk about, what I like to think about is when Christ returns and everything is renewed. Oh, what is that going to be? I was just talking to someone about that. I thought, well, he asked me, what do you think that's going to be? I go, I don't know. Maybe it'll be like the Garden of Eden, right? Maybe. I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait for, for us to be living together in fellowship and unity and harmony under one God. Yeah. And for Jesus to be visibly here with us, His presence really here on this earth. I can't wait for that. So this is all the prayers. This is what's happened. Before the angel blow the trumpet, before this final push, before Christ returns, we see this picture of all the prayers. You know what? They have risen up. All the prayers throughout all the centuries, even the current ones in tribulation, they have all risen up. And where did they go? They rose before God. Circle that, first four. You know what that means? The prayers reached their target. The prayers reached their target. Prayer, our prayers, think about that. Well, we pray. It doesn't just hit the ceiling and bounce down, though sometimes you feel like it, yeah? God, are you listening? Do you hear? No. It rises up and it reaches the target, which is God. He hears our prayers. And this is what we see here. And all those prayers for Jesus to return have been collected. All the prayers for Satan to be done with have been collected. All the prayers for justice to be done have been collected. And it's all contained in, 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 right here in the incense and it goes up to God. Isn't that great to see here? You know what? With seeing this here, let's make that bowl heavy. Yeah? Let, let, let's make a lot of uh, smoke to come out there. When the incense is thrown on there. Let, let's keep praying, you guys. Keep praying for this day. Keep praying for this time. Isn't that what we're supposed to pray for anyway? What was Jesus' model, right? I, I think it was Matthew 6, I think. Your kingdom come, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. Lord, may your kingdom come. So we see here, the offering of incense rising up to God is to say all the prayers have been heard and are about to be answered. That, that's why this whole moment is happening. And here's the second thing, our last point for this morning, is the throwing of the incense is to mark that time of deliverance. It's come. It's here. It's here now. It's finally come. Look at verse 5 and 6. It says, Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunders, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Verse 6, Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. So the angel now takes that censer full of the coals, and he 
throws it to the earth. And when he does, this holy fire, these coals coming out, it results in this action. There's, there's thunder going on. There's rumblings, flashes of lightning, and even an earthquake. And then the, the angels holding the trumpets, then they're ready. They're prepared to blow their trumpet. So this is the answer now. It's happening to the saints' prayers. It's, it's happening right here, right at this moment. God is answering the prayers of all the saints through all the ages. You know, right before God was about to give the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, you know what? That mountain was filled with thunderings and rumblings and flashes of lightning. And you know what Exodus 19 tells us? There was a long trumpet blast. Interesting, right? God, in His awesomeness and holiness and glory, He, he was announcing, he's, he's about to act. It was, it was, it, it's coming right now. And so that's what's going on right here. As the angel took the coals, threw them to the earth, and all the thunder and lightning and earthquake happening, it was marking this time. You know what I think? I think... This is like the trumpet blast. I think the rumbling, I think the lightning flashing across. Can you imagine around the whole world? Yeah, thundering. Yeah, everything shaking at the same time. I think it's announcing not just everyone on the earth, but I think it's announcing to Satan, hey, time has come. Time has come. Watch out now. Time has come. I'm answering the prayers of all the saints throughout all the ages. What a moment. What a moment. Now, do you understand how important it is to pray? (laughs) Yeah. We're seeing it unfold right here. The answer to that greatest prayer of all the ages is coming about right here in chapter 8. Do you want to see a change in your life? Do you want to see lives change? Pray. Pray now. Pray like never before. For we see here, God hears prayers. He receives the prayers. And He does answer prayer. Now we know it may not be right away. Yeah. And sometimes the, the answer is yes. Sometimes it's no. But sometimes it's what? Wait. And here all these prayers were, was in a wait mode. But it's, it's going to be done. It's going to be answered. And that is what we need to do. We need to pray. Help people get prepared for what's going on. We need to pray for, for, for the lost. We need to pray for those who are struggling in the Lord or who have wandered away. We need to be in prayer. We need to be on our faces and crying out. You know, I think about Paul when he wrote in epistles that um, uh, you know, every day he has his burden for the churches. Every day his concern for the churches is weighing upon him. And I'm thinking, God, help me to be that way. Because sometimes I can be so selfish, my prayers are only about me. Yeah, But I pray that God would prepare everybody in the world for what's coming by saving them. That God would prepare hearts that maybe if they don't, as I mentioned, turn to the Lord right away and go home in the rapture, that maybe after the rapture that seed would sprout and they would be saved. That's the preparation we need to do. That, that's the way 
we need to pray. And when we are praying, we're acknowledging, God, I can't do it, but I know you can. We're acknowledging, God, I'll, I'll do whatever, but you do that work. You know, when we share Jesus, we're not saving anybody. It's the Holy Spirit who comes in. It's Jesus who saves. But we can be that voice. I like something Hudson Taylor said. When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. My work usually isn't that great. (laughs) But when God works, it's powerful. When God works, it's mighty. When God works, He gets the job done. We need to pray. Maybe there's failure in your life. Maybe you're going through something you failed in, and right now you're just, there's a lot of regret, and you're feeling really discouraged. Perhaps the failure in your life is because of lack of preparation. Perhaps it's because of a lack of prayer. You guys, I'm calling you. Let's, let's re, re, renew our prayer time. Let's, let, let's revamp it. Let's, let's make it something more important than ever before. And if it already is, let's, let's make it better. Let's be still and know. Let's go to God first for, for strength. Lord, help me. Empower me right now. Fill me with your spirit. Let's be praying for people every day and praying for your, ourselves. Is it because of lack of prayer that maybe you're in that situation today? But you know what? If you pray and you seek God's help, He can get you out of that. He can get you through that. He can help you in that. So if the problem was a lack of prayer, we'll get back to prayer. And I'll tell you what, that will be the solution. It's important that we pray and we have good preparation because you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Sometimes I think that. Do you ever think that you wake up and you think, well, what's going to happen today? Yeah, <laughs> right? Sometimes I'm praying, Lord, I have these plans, but hey, sometimes my, my disappointment is actually your appointment. I'm going to be ready. Help me be prepared. You know, I was thinking about this, and we'll just close with this. We need to pray for those affected by the building that collapsed in Florida, right? I mean, that was a shocker, right? I think this morning I was reading there's nine bodies been found, and I think still like 159 or so missing. And I was thinking about that. What, what a shock that was, right? I mean, I know they're investigating on, on, on why this happened, but, but no one knows exactly why a 12-story high-rise condo building fell all of a sudden. I mean, you would think a building like that would be safe and secure, that you'd be okay. You wake up in the morning, oh, my home, we're okay, we're fine, right? Well, how heartbreaking to hear those people still lost who fell in the rubble and everything that didn't know. But I was thinking ultimately nothing in this world is really secure and safe. No. We could lose our money like that. Yeah. We could lose our jobs. We could, or something happened, a hurricane come, our house is gone, you know, our car break down. Right? But how many times we put our security in those things. How many times do you think, ah, we're okay? 
No. We need to find that safety and security in the Lord. And we need to be prepared for whatever happens that we are connected and locked into God. So no matter what life brings, no matter what troubling things, it's okay. We're not going to fall to pieces. We're going to make it through because we get God. I have God with me. So how can we prepare for things like that? Well, number one is to give your life to Jesus if you haven't already. Number one is to be saved, to get a relationship with Him, to be forgiven. That's the only secure thing in our life and that you have eternity after that. Number two is, as I mentioned, the principles we learned, be still before God. Yeah, Be still before the Lord. Know that He is God. To go to God first. In the beginning of the day to prepare you, to give you the ability and strength to do whatever comes. And here, lastly, we're learning to pray, to really pray. You know, I feel like, I feel like we have lost the art of prayer. We have lost that, that ability to just sit quiet before God. I mean, we live in a society where we have to have constant Constant things, right? We've we, we got to be doing something. We've got to be watching something. We've got to have something going on on our phones or TV. When was the last time that you just stopped and was silent before God? It's hard. Sometimes it could be awkward. Like, like I was thinking about the silence in heaven we read about. If I were to just stop talking for 30 seconds, it'd be awkward. You guys would be like, what happened? <laughs> right? <laughs> the screen froze. Everyone online was like, what's going on with the internet? No. Let's learn how to pray again. Connect with God. Be filled with the Spirit. Come before our awesome and holy God. And so, let's learn how to have these kinds of preparations. Yeah? as we saw here today in the preparation in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, help us to pray. God, teach us, Lord. God, as the disciples called out to you, Lord, we call out to you. God, forgive us for our ritualism, Lord, where we just pray to pray and we check it off the list. Lord, forgive us for praying about all our needs, all our desperation, God, and we have a lot, and thank you that you hear us, but forgive us that we don't even come and honor you and worship you in prayer, Lord. God, forgive us that we don't pray for others enough, our, our nation, our world, for the lost, God. And again, it's all about me. Lord, forgive us for not really being still before you, to be listening for your voice, God, to not move until we're filled with the Spirit. Lord, forgive us for not taking the time. We, we rush out into our day. We say a one-minute prayer thinking that, okay, that's good, when we need so much more time with you. And forgive us, God, that we're not in your word enough and we're not in prayer enough. We're not, we're not cultivating our relationship with you and connecting with you, Lord. God, this is the preparation that we need. Lord, to be with you. 
Oh, God, as we see this preparation in heaven and about what is about to happen, the, the greatest event since the fall, Lord, it speaks to me that, Lord, I need this kind of preparation. We, we, we do it in life already, don't we, Lord, how we prepare for tests or we get dressed in the morning and, and take shower, get ready to go work, but how about our preparation with you? So, Lord, help us, forgive us, and renew us right now. Fill us with your spirit right now, God. Lord, everywhere we go, we want you to be with us. And everywhere we go, may it be where you are, Lord. Lord, may our hearts be about you and being with you and nothing else, Lord. God, help us to properly be in preparation in our daily lives. And God, we do pray for those who don't know you, who've wandered away from you, that you would prepare their hearts by saving them, God, bringing them back. Those ones we love, our friends, God, our loved ones, our family. Oh, Lord, we cry for their souls that you would save them, Jesus. Save them, God. And if it's your will, may we be the instruments, Lord, the, the tools you use that will lead them to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.